Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. It is Thursday night. It is 8 p.m. Central. It is actually Thanksgiving night tied here on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer along with Clint Lamb to get you going on this Thanksgiving night. We'll have Jimmy Stein along with us coming up in about, well, 15 minutes or so. We'll check in with Jimmy. We'll go around the table with the three of us till about 8.30, and then Jimmy and myself will wrap things up from about 8.30 to 8.45. You're more than welcome to jump in with your comments and thoughts as we get ready for Alabama and Auburn. The Iron Bowl set to kick off one more time Saturday afternoon, 2.30 Central, CBS. And uh, boy, Clint, I got to start with the Thanksgiving Day update. Uh, how many plates do you have a plate count for me at this point? Uh, and uh, the desserts maybe that, that caught your eye so far today. You know how college kids have like the white t-shirts and they put a tally mark on it every time they have a beer. That's been me with plates today. Uh, if that tells you anything, I've been all about every time I get some room in my stomach. Now, granted, there's been a couple of chocolate pie revisits. It hadn't just been straight up plates of, of the good stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I've been indulging quite a bit. I'll put it that way. So how many rounds did you have to make today? Were you just in one spot all day? Were you able to do that? Or uh, did you have uh, multiple stops to make? Or were you in one spot and you had multiple crews that came in and out? Uh, just one spot. Yeah, our main Thanksgiving is going to be tomorrow night. Uh, my brother's okay. going to be able to come into town and we'll get the it was weird. This was kind of supposed to be like the immediate family. And then it just kept growing. Um, 
and then it became kind of like a, a part one for a two-part family get together which is awesome typically you see you know all your family and stuff and, and you got to tell them bye and then it's okay i guess i'll see him in a month or so when christmas rolls around but it's going to be 24 hours later pretty much but uh Wait. it's you know i will say the uh i respect the people who have to make multiple stops because i mean i can only imagine how much food they have to eat in a day to keep everybody appeased we took uh on host hostess type mode for two rounds today we had a brunch round at about mid-morning uh folks over family over and then we had around two at around 2 30 so uh heather ryer she's the real mvp man just a tremendous performance uh as we move through this thanksgiving day and i'm kind of with you if the trip to fan from the turkey doesn't put me to sleep tonight this old miss mississippi state game might do it this egg bowl might do it clint because mississippi state just missed a field goal to tie the game at three late here in the second quarter in Starkville. So it looks like Ole Miss is going to go to the half. Three nothing. Not a lot in the way of fireworks so far in that. Uh, I wonder what the uh, – I didn't check the over-under on this game, but I'm guessing they're not on pace to break it. They're not hitting – they're not going over the first half. I think <laughs> I think we know that right now. And really, you know, for Ole Miss, this is kind of a continuation from last week. You wonder just how much this late season uh, – rush is taken out of them the georgia game obviously didn't go according to plan and almost felt like as that game moved along you saw that team sort of dissipate in some ways got off to a slow start last week against la monroe and uh not exactly putting up big numbers against this mississippi state defense fortunately for pete golding and lane kiffin and Ole miss boy mississippi state offensively right now just a mess even with will rogers back in there at quarterback uh, he's coming off an injury. Still looks like he might be dealing with some issues. And uh, this state offense is is uh, tough to watch right now. Well, I was looking forward to this game all day. And granted, I mean, it's been close. Uh, so I, I figured that it would be. There were a lot of people out there. There were some people picking Mississippi State to cover that. I think it was a 10-point line or something like that. Um, you know, I figured it would be close, but I wasn't expecting three to nothing at halftime. I was expecting a couple of more fireworks. But hopefully some things get going in the second half. Uh, I will say, uh, Georgia putting that beating on Ole Miss, it, it seems to have uh, carried over uh, at least a couple of weeks. So we'll see if they're able to get things back on track. It's kind of like what Alabama's done to teams in the past, right? Yes. Uh, it can have that lingering effect, and especially on a team like Ole Miss in November. You know, that's the thing. Alabama saw a different Ole Miss team, too, earlier in the season, a team that was still whole – wasn't feeling the effects maybe as much. Now, I think Ole Miss, even going to that Alabama game, had a couple of injuries that that it was dealing with. But, boy, the cumulative effects of an SEC season for a team like Ole Miss, where depth is always going to be a concern to begin with. And then you start mixing in now Texas and Oklahoma starting next year for some of these teams. Uh, it's going to become even tougher, you got to think. Mimi S. checking in here in the comments. Uh, good to have you, Mimi, on board with us. Uh, Tex Titer, howdy, boys. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too, Tex. Uh, very thankful uh, on this Thanksgiving, as you might expect, as we talked about. Able to enjoy family, uh, able to enjoy our, our friends at Bama Online tonight. And uh, you know who wants to get right to it, Clint, is Speed RTR. Can always ask the speed. pressing question. Let's get right into it. Enough of the 
Thanksgiving talk, enough of the Egg Bowl. Can Alabama ever break the hysteria of Jordan-Hare games? Ever. Clint, can it ever happen? I guess in 2011 it happened pretty good. That's the one year I recall where Alabama went down there with the better team and really took it to the Tigers. I think that was like a 42-14 game. I guess if you go back to 2001, Alabama went down there with Dennis Francione, if you want to go that far back uh, and really put it to – put it to – or 99, I guess. Was was it 99? Yeah. Yes, I guess so. I'm getting my years mixed up. But, yeah, there's been a few occasions where the Alabama's gone down there and, and taken care of business. Uh, 2001 was one of those years, too. I think uh, 99, Alabama had to really battle in that SEC championship season. 2001 went down there and won, I believe, 31-7 to with Andrew Zow having a big game. But will it, will it be that kind of game, Clint, I guess is what we're trying to get to here, in your opinion. My question, are we ever going to see Alabama play another game in Jordan-Hare Stadium where the kick six isn't run 37 times uh, in a row on ESPN and all these other channels? I feel like this entire week, anytime you turn the TV on, anytime they're talking about the Iron Bowl, a highlight that they're showing is going to be the kick six. So my question would be, are we ever going to see a time where that play is not all over our screens when we're leading up to the Iron Bowl? You know, I think outside of even our vacuum uh, that we work within, it is just one of those plays in college football history. It's it's up there with the band on the field with Stanford and Cal. We still see that one all these years later. John Elway was playing at Stanford at the time. John Elway's probably 60 years old now, (laughs) early 60s, and we still see that one. Unfortunately for Alabama fans, I think with where that game sort of sits uh, in college football lore, And and even this time around, it's the 10-year anniversary. So you kind of expect that. But no, to answer your question, I don't think there will ever come a time where it's not uh, prominently promoted, especially in advance of a game played down on the plane. So when we think about this game, I know you and Jimmy have outlined it. I know I've outlined it. I've outlined it with Tim. I don't know how much more there is to talk to. I guess it comes down to just some key points when you look at this game. And for me, the Alabama defense is what I keep going back to, but it's also the Alabama offense of late that has gotten off to good starts uh, in some games, and especially on the road um, at Kentucky, uh, converting third downs, red zone opportunities, been very good and getting into the end zone in those situations. But uh, I think the Alabama defense against that Auburn offense and just The question I continue to have for Auburn is where the explosive play is going to come from if Alabama does a good job on Jarquez Hunter. That Yeah, and Fairweather's been a good tight end. He's been a good weapon for them in the passing game. But other than him, there's just been such a lack of consistency from their weapons. And then with Peyton Thorne, you know, he's got his own problems with consistency. And so just from an offensive standpoint as a whole, I mean, the offensive line, I, I would say it's probably improved compared to the last couple of years, but it hadn't improved to a point where it can mask a lot of the issues that you've seen from Auburn. And so you got to wonder, I mean, where do the plays come from? Where do, where, where do the points come from? Um, and I mean, that's, you know, with Alabama's offense, the defense, you know, is going to travel well, more than likely. I'm not saying that, that they, you know, Auburn won't have some wrinkles, you know, it could catch Alabama off guard. You might see an explosive play or two, something different, some new looks. 
Uh, but you know, you expect or trust the defense to be able to do what it needs to do to win this football game. The offense has been earning that trust more and more every single week. I mean, you see it against LSU, but then you say, okay, it's LSU's defense. Can you go on the road against Kentucky and, and, you know, have similar success? They are able to do that. And then the next week it's like, okay, it's UT Chattanooga, but it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. You're a 44 and a half point favorite. Can you come out focused, ready to play some football? They were able to do that. So they've been really answering the call. And in earlier in the year, they were really struggling to start games. As of late, they've kind of been starting hot and doing some really good things from pretty much, you know, the opening play. Um, and so this is yet another challenge that, uh, you know, I would say from a talent standpoint, Kentucky and Auburn defensively aren't too far off. But I think Jordan Hare Stadium being at 230, uh, it's going to, that crowd should be a little bit more lively, fourth quarter. Sun starts going down. That place can really start to get rocking if things are closed for whatever reason. Uh, and, you know, the fact that just the rivalry factor that's involved with it, I mean, it's another challenge for this offense. But if they can overcome that and they continue to play the kind of football to the level that they have the last few weeks, you got to feel good about their chances even going into the, uh, you know, Mercedes-Benz Stadium and playing Georgia next weekend. Yeah, you know, and I, I get it. I understand the concern for Alabama fans with, things that have happened down in uh, Jordan Hare in the past. But even in most of those wins that Auburn had in those type of games, Auburn, to me, at least in one critical area, had an advantage. And where I come up a little bit short on thinking that this could be one of those games is I don't see that for this Auburn team. You know, I, I even w- before last Saturday, when Auburn was on the three-game win streak in the SEC, and I started counting it up. What's the win-loss record of these three teams? What's the win-loss record of Mississippi State and Vanderbilt and Arkansas? Well, right now it's 2-19. and And when you think about this weekend's games, Vanderbilt at Tennessee, it goes to 2-20. and You think about Arkansas hosting Missouri tomorrow afternoon, probably 2-21. and Mississippi State tonight down three to nothing at the half could be two and 22, the combined SEC record for the three teams that Auburn has beaten in the Southeastern Conference to this point of the season. And Timothy Hooper here in the comments, hopefully Deontay Lawson will be back. I thought the update from Nick Saban uh, Wednesday sounded pretty promising. What about you, Clint? Same. Yeah. It's for him and for Jalen Key. I mean, I don't know for certain that they're going to be available, but you would think that they're going to, and that certainly bodes well uh, being even a week further out from the SEC championship. If they're able to get back on the field this weekend, get some snaps under their belts, you know, maybe it's a full-time workload. Maybe there's some limitations, but I doubt it. I I think if they're going to play, they're going to play. Uh, But, you know, that should be able to kind of get them back in game shape. It's not like they've been out long enough where that would be a major concern anyways. But it could allow them to knock any rust off. Um, but with Deontay Lawson, I will say, I feel like he came back from that first injury and he wasn't quite the same player. Like you could tell he still wasn't 100%. And I highly doubt if he plays on Saturday, he's going to be at 100%. This might be a situation where he's never really 100% for the rest of the year. But, you know, a, a, a 75, 80, 85%, or maybe 90%, you know, uh, ceiling there maybe uh i still think that version of Deontay is one of the better linebackers in the country 
So that's certainly going to impact things. And then when you get Devontae Smith back in the secondary last week, I thought that was encouraging what he was able to do and the snaps that he was able to play. Uh, if you can get Jalen Key back as well, now the depth of that back half of your defense is in really good shape going into the SEC championship. And, you know, that's something that's been, you know, that's going to be pretty key because Georgia's passing attack with Carson Beck has been extremely underrated. Oh, it has. And, uh, you know, there's some things that you might tweak a little bit in your packages in your secondary before you see Brock Bowers and that Georgia passing attack, because you have to still account for some guys on the outside, like Lad McConkey and, um, you know, the way they're able to use an assortment of guys in this offense compared to maybe the last few years, uh, in addition to Brock Bowers. So you can maybe shuffle some things around at star, maybe your sub packages, you look to do some things a little bit different and you were able to work some different combinations last week against Chattanooga for sure. And with that, let's welcome on board, Jimmy Stein. There he is. Jimmy Stein checking in with us here on Thursday night tide. And Jimmy, I asked Clint lamb, uh, you got a plate count for us from today. Uh, three three okay three that's, that's three. manageable that's that's respectable you, three squares i didn't know we were i didn't know we were showing the kind of discipline um if I, <laughs> know that, I would have you know withheld a couple of mine now how well, many desserts or did you include uh, a dessert on each of those plates oh i the third plate was mostly desserts i had a hard time choosing which one i wanted so i would say the three plates were pretty full uh the second plate was a real I think I had just as much on the second play as I did on the first. So third plate, all desserts because I couldn't choose. And uh, yeah, uh, it was it was a good day. It was a good day. I, uh, I knew that I've not been hungry at all tonight. That shows how I overdid lunch. Uh, I've not been hungry since since two o'clock and probably won't be until tomorrow afternoon. It was it was pretty ridiculous. Well, we don't have any uh, Thanksgiving plate specials on the show tonight, but we do have that YouTube special that you can see at the bottom of the screen there. YouTube special for new subscribers to BamaOnline.com. If you enter code UA1, you're going to get two months of BOL for just $1. That is the YouTube special. So enter that code if you're a new subscriber. UA1, you're going to get two months. Not one, two months of BOL for just a buck. And there's a rousing welcome for Jimmy Stein right there from Tex Titer. <laughs> you know, I asked the question to Clint Lamb just a minute ago. Jimmy, I'm going to ask you. Uh, we, we've seen Auburn win games against Alabama down at Jordan-Hare Stadium. That's, that's nothing out of the blue, even in the Nick Saban era. Uh, we've seen that on multiple occasions. But you know, it seems to me like in a lot of those, if not all of those, you've went into one of those or all of those matchups thinking, you know what, Auburn's got an edge maybe in a critical area. Tell me one area or you know, give me an area where you think that might be the case or is it not the case that you can see going into this? Yeah, I don't know that I would say they have the edge anywhere, but I would say they are good in spots. And uh, I'll tell you where where they're very good is cornerback. I think the both of the corners and uh, as I say that, uh, you know, both corners were invited to the senior bowl this week. DJ James and uh, DMI Pritchett will both be in the senior bowl and they, they don't necessarily do favors for in-state players. I mean, you pretty much have to earn your way to the senior bowl. So that shows how good they are. Also shows how good Alabama is because I'm not trading Alabama's for theirs, even though they have two NFL ready senior bowl corners, but they are good at corner. And I think they're good enough guys to where 
I don't necessarily anticipate Jermaine Burton or uh, let's say uh, Malik Benson or, or, or Ja'Cory Brooks if he plays. Uh, Alabama's outside receivers getting just a free release all day. I, I think Alabama's receivers are going to have to earn their yardage against those Auburn corners. Uh, I, I don't know that that's the strength of their team, but it might be. I just think personnel-wise, when I'm looking for, okay, who, who who's a pro football player and who's ready for pro football player, those corners stand out to me. But I say that and admit uh, that, that as good as they are, I don't think they're quite McKinstry and Arnold. Yeah, those are a couple of guys going into the season. You felt like for that Auburn defense that was in sort of rebuild mode, that's where it was going to have to start. And they seem to have performed as expected during the 2023 season. I'll say this too. You don't want to go down there with an apprehensive quarterback, put it that way. And what I see from Jalen Milrow right now, guys, is a guy that I don't know how well he'll play Saturday, but I feel pretty confident that rat trap aren't a couple of words that we'll hear from Nick Saban in the postgame when it comes to describing the approach of Jalen Milrow on Saturday. I, you know, I, I just feel like this guy's confidence right now um, is at an extreme level. Uh, and, and even when probably the rest of us, Clint, thought it shouldn't be at a high level, I'm not sure if if, if he still didn't think that, no, I, this is fine. I can handle this. And, and, and he has proven to be able to do that. Yeah, you know, it's watching his growth. I mean, it's I don't think it's a coincidence. In fact, I know it's not a coincidence that as he's grown, uh, Alabama's offense has grown and the team has grown. Uh, Just his confidence kind of it's a representation of really everybody like he's playing good football right now. And what I saw against UT Chattanooga, granted, I understand the opponent but he seemed like he had a better understanding for the big picture kind of stuff. He understood where he wanted to go with the football. He saw things open. You know, he's working through his progressions a little bit more. It doesn't have to be, you know, a first read necessarily all the time. Obviously you do some things to try to help him as much as possible. I don't think you want him dropping back. I mean, obviously you hadn't been in the last several weeks where he's just a pure drop back passer and you're, you know, asking him to be Peyton Manning back there, but I think he can do a little bit more of that. I think, uh, you know, just his confidence as a runner, um, you know, it, it just being able to move the sticks and, and, you know, have success, whether it be through the air or on the ground, that's going to cause you to be a lot more confident. And you just see a guy who is playing his best football right now. And will Saturday be one of his tougher challenges so far this year? Absolutely. Uh, you know, two of the three starts that he's had on the road, he's thrown an interception in his last two SEC games. But he's been able to respond from both of those, and that's got to be encouraging as well. Like if Auburn's able to bait him into something and you see him kind of, you know, make one of those kind of throws that you see from him every once in a while, they're becoming a lot more few and far between. But, you know, where it's like, man, I don't know really what you saw there. But when he makes those mistakes, it's his ability to bounce back that you have to feel confident in. So I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's a coincidence that as his confidence has grown, and his play has improved, and he's gotten more comfortable, this entire Alabama team is a lot more confident and comfortable as well. Jimmy, how much do you think improved protection has played into that? It just seems like this stew of Alabama offense has tasted a lot better as more and more elements have seemingly come together in the last month or so. It's been almost this uh, perfect marriage of, of the things you have to do well on offense to have success uh, that taking place. 
I'll tell you a real common error, common mistake, or common thing you see out of young, inexperienced college quarterbacks is when uh, when the protection's not good and they're sort of get used to, okay, as soon as the ball is snapped, I'm going to get some pressure from somewhere. Those quarterbacks tend to stare at the rush because they worry about that first because they, they know, okay, this is coming, and, and, and they, they, it gets in their heads. But Alabama's protection has improved to the point that I think Jalen Milrow, as he's developing and sort of shedding the inexperience label as the season has gone on, he never really got into that. I, I mean, I don't think Milrow has ever – I don't think I can recall even a time where I felt this season, despite all the sacks Alabama was, was given up in September and October, that it was Milrow being so rush conscious. He was staring at the rush. I, I think this kid uh, has a good ability to keep his eyes downfield, which is why he made so many plays down the field, even in September and October when the sack numbers were high. So uh, I think as the protection has improved, Jalen Milrow, who already was, even while the protection was bad, was doing a good job of keeping his eyes downfield. I think it's helped him uh, sort of skip levels. And by that, I mean, it almost feels like guys, like he went from inexperienced to veteran, (laughs) to veteran. I mean, in terms of the plays that he's made the last two or three weeks, where we have seen him use his eyes to manipulate safeties, uh, uh, you know, against Kentucky, his first, the first two touchdown passes were to his second read. This was stuff he he just wasn't doing in September, and he wouldn't be able to do it now if that protection wasn't better. Uh, I, I think it's all gone hand in hand, and the protection has been so good lately that uh, Jalen Milrow is is sort of turning the corner from inexperienced, least experienced quarterback in the SEC to playing like a veteran playmaker. Yeah, you're seeing him graduate from some 100-level quarterback play earlier in the season to 200 to maybe even 300 in some aspects. Things like helping his offensive tackles by taking that little half skip or hop up into the pocket. You know, that helps, and that provides him with more time and allows for routes to open up. But, man, when they have time, and he has time, the protection's been what it's been. Those deep over routes that they like to run to the tight ends and the wide receivers, those are staples of any Alabama offense, not just this one, not just ones we've seen in previous years. Uh, and they're making that – they have made that look pretty easy uh, here of late. So, you know, we've got a question here in the comments. Uh, do we think Jalen will have more passing touchdowns on Saturday are rushing touchdowns on Saturday. Alabama with 15 rushing touchdowns in the last three games. Obviously, Jalen's had a lot to do. That he's had a lot to do with obviously the passing touchdowns too. So when you look at this this Alabama offense for this game, Clint, we'll start with you. Uh, where do you think uh, Jalen and the offense in general is most likely to have success? Uh, I mean, obviously Auburn's pass defense has been better than than their run defense and I mean when you look at it uh I know Jackson Dart had a couple of rushing touchdowns um KJ Jefferson had 50 yards rushing I just was able to check on that so you've seen dual threat quarterbacks have some success against their defense Uh, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he ended up having more rushing touchdowns because in these type of environments uh you know you would even though he's grown a ton as a passer I still think it's kind of like you know Arkansas last year 
where the the lead starts dwindling a little bit and you need him to make plays in a hostile road environment, he's most comfortable as a runner. And I understand that there for a while he wasn't really willing to run, so that makes you question, you know, is he really comfortable doing that? But to me, he's been at his best when he's been able to rely on his legs and turn to that when things break down. And whether it be Kentucky, whether it be, you know, obviously it wasn't needed very much against UT Chattanooga, but Kentucky in particular, there was a lot of occasions where he was willing to tuck the football and kind of even run early when things weren't there. I think in this type of environment, you probably see a lot more of that. And I think he has a lot of success. Auburn's defense has not been great as far as stopping the run. Pass defense has been a little bit better. Uh, I do think that I, it's not to a point where Alabama won't have success through the air. But, you know, it's not LSU's defense and the way that they're going to play them with those corners where they're so far off the ball, they're going to pretty much give you stuff all night. They're going to give you some opportunities downfield. Uh, they're going to give you some of that short to intermediate stuff at times as well. And, and so I think he's going to have success as a passer. But this offense, I think, you know, running the football, whether it be with the running backs or with Jalen Milrow, I think they should be able to have success. Um, they've improved as a run blocking unit. The offensive line, Caden Proctor in particular, obviously Jaden Roberts being inserted into the starting lineup has made a world, you know, world of difference for, you know, that, um, you know, aspect, but just Caden Proctor's improvement. I think he has shown improvement as a pass protector, but really it's been his run blocking and the fact that Alabama can have more success on early downs where teams can't just pin their ears back and get after Jalen Milrow in obvious passing situations quite as much as they could earlier in the year. I think that's been the biggest difference maker for this offense, and I fully expect going on the road, that's kind of what you want uh, your offense to do is be able to control the line of scrimmage, control the tempo and the clock and the pacing of the game. And so I think that Alabama's rushing offense should have some success, and I think that uh, Jalen Milrow is probably going to be a big part of that. You know, New Mexico State last week, through three touchdown passes. Diego Pavia, that quarterback for New Mexico State, threw for over 203 scores, and he also ran for 35. He's a gritty little dude, tough guy, uh, fun to watch at the quarterback position. But, you know, we talk about those 15 rushing touchdowns for Alabama in the last three games. 11 of those have come in the red zone. So if you're wondering how an offense converts 18 straight trips into the red zone, into the end zone for touchdowns, running the football like that will get the trick done. And, you know, I'm big on who you did it against, too. So you got to temper some of that, especially from last week where Chattanooga is concerned. But the same thing can be said about Auburn, Jimmy. You know, I look at Auburn, Tigers have given up just one rushing score in their last four games. Um but when you think about those last four games, Mississippi State, I go back to Vanderbilt, I go back to Arkansas. When you talk about rushing touchdowns in the SEC right now, those three teams rank at the very bottom of the conference. All right. It seems to me that Auburn's had most of its success running the ball with their quarterbacks, you know, who who shouldn't shouldn't be as explosive and as playmaking as perhaps a Jarquez Hunter or their other scholarship running backs but but when I think of Auburn running the ball this season and making plays I think of Peyton Thorne sort of uh surprising myself uh surprising me with his uh with his legs at times we know Robbie Ashford is is a threat with his legs he had a big game with his legs against Alabama uh, a year ago you think we see Ashford Saturday well, I do I do I do I and, think and I think Alabama should see reason. him yeah. yeah, it's for that reason. I, I think Auburn's best chance at the big play, moving the ball, chunk plays, is with quarterback runs. 
and and, and that's what worked against Georgia uh, to an extent, kept Auburn in the game. So I can see Auburn coming into the game with a heavy dose of QB runs. But if you're going to do the whole the whole game with Peyton Thorne, is he really going to survive a, a 2022 touch game where Peyton Thorne is tackled 20 to 22 times by the Alabama defense? That, that doesn't sound like a good idea. So I, I think that they go in with the idea that we're going to run the quarterback quite a bit. So we're going to play both quarterbacks because we're not going to subject one or the other to 20-plus uh, hits, maybe 10-plus uh, hits apiece. Uh, sounds better to them. So, yeah, I, I think quarterback runs will be a, a huge part of what they do and that we will see Ashford specifically because of that. Hey, Clint, we're going to let you dip, let you get back to that next plate that we know you've got just <laughs> off camera. You know me too well. We can't see it, but we I've been host. thinking about it this entire time we've been talking, if I'm speaking <laughs> candidly. We have smell of vision at this point. No, uh, Clint, we appreciate it as always, man. Great work with us as always at BamaOnline.com. Look forward to catching up again next week. Absolutely, fellas. Good talking to you guys. Should be a fun game, and then we got next week. So it's going to be a fun next couple of weeks. Stakes just go up and up and up. Thanks, Clint. See, See you, buddy. guys. Yeah, you know, I think as we, we talk about the the Auburn offense and the potential for the runs, you know, even last week, Jimmy, um, it was a situation where Thorne had 17 carries against New Mexico State. Now, four of those were sacks. Right. But New Mexico State even did a pretty good job with a four-man pass rush of making Thorne move and reset and do things that he didn't want to do on some dropbacks. So I think that's problematic for the Tigers, too, especially if Jarquez Hunter throws up another eight for 27 like he did last week. And again, that three-game winning streak, you talk about that stretch for Auburn. And through there, Hunter was Hunter. He had three 100-yard games. So um, that, that's why I think it's just imperative for Alabama defensively to account for him, limit those explosive runs. You're right. Thorne will surprise you. I think as much with his maneuverability in the pocket and his ability to kind of escape pressure, uh, he's not going to hit you for 50, 60, 70-yard runs. But um, you know, he can do enough to keep plays alive and put stress on the defense that way. Uh, but early downs and, you know, Alabama going to be in that nickel package, although we'll see some two tights maybe occasionally um, from Auburn. And even from that, though, I think Alabama probably stays in the nickel until I, I don't think Alabama gets out of the nickel in the face of two tight ends against just about anybody anymore until right. that offense shows they can run them out of it. That's right. Yeah, uh, Peyton Thorne has surprised me a little bit because I saw him play at Michigan State a few times. I don't watch multiple Michigan State games per year, but I see him. And uh, I remember Peyton Thorne being a competent passer, but I, I didn't remember him uh, as athletic as he's shown at Auburn. So for those Alabama fans listening that haven't watched a lot of Auburn, you might be a little surprised at, at how twitchy Peyton Thorne is. Uh, you know, again, not, a, not Milrow, not even Robbie Ashford. But, yeah, he, he can make plays with his legs, no, no doubt about it. Uh, and Ashford, as we know, can. Uh, I thought Alabama a year ago, Travis, is sort of embarrassing maybe as the defensive performance was against Tennessee. I was not pleased with Alabama's effort defending the run against Auburn a year ago, giving up, I think, a whopping yeah. 320 yards. I thought, goodness, I mean, uh, against that group to give up yeah. 320. And – I assume 
Auburn is going to come into this game Saturday thinking, hey, if we get 320 on the ground again at home, uh, this, this may turn out really well for us. And and to me, it, it just starts with defending that, that QB run because that's where they had success. I don't think Jarquez Hunter is going to have a 200-yard game against Alabama. I really don't. I, now, he's capable, of course, of, of big-time things. But if Auburn has a lot of success on the ground, I'm expecting a big chunk of it to come from Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. Yeah, they hit Hunter on some outside zones against Alabama last year. He ended up with like 134 on 11. So I would expect mm. perimeter runs early and then maybe the quarterback keeping off of that. I don't see Alabama blitzing probably a lot in this game. And Alabama typically maybe more simulated pressures than numbers we see from uh, the Alabama defense because they have a front four that has grown into a really good pass rushing group. And the only touchdown I saw from Auburn against New Mexico State last week, New Mexico State brought, I think, six. And Thorne hit them, hit Fairweather in the middle of the field for a, a blitz beater for a touchdown. So, I, again, it, it's not like Alabama needs to be anything that it isn't going into this game. I'm sure there'll be some some special things they have in store defensively for this Auburn offense. But, um, you know, I think as much as anything, that, that player for player, there's such an edge there uh, that they shouldn't have to, to be too exotic. Yeah, sound football. Play sound assignment football. Uh, I think Alabama goes into this game with a, with a, with a pretty big talent advantage. Uh, I think McKinstry and Terrion Arnold – can sort of remove Auburn's outside receivers from being much of a threat in the game with just man coverage, allows you to be aggressive in the other areas, but you don't necessarily have to blitz. Uh, as you said, I, I think it, you're, you're, you're sort of making it more difficult than you need to. I think it's just playing sound assignment football, playing a lot of man coverage, and just not allowing Jarquez Hunter, Thorne, or Ashford to uh, break, contain, and make a big chunk play. Uh, just keep it in front of you. Uh, force them to stack first downs. And uh, I I think Auburn will spend most of the day punting. Yeah, could be. Absolutely could be. Afro Man Davis checking in here in the comments. Need Otis, Boigby, and Smith to be ferocious in the way they play this weekend. And that's something worth noting, too, about that Iron Bowl a year ago. You know, Alabama in that nickel, when it plays a Boigby at that five technique with Dallas Turner or Chris Braswell on the other side, it's a lot harder to run those outside zones against uh, into uh, a Boigby than it was probably at this time a year ago when you did not have him. You didn't have him in this game last season. So Dean Cloud just wants to know a simple uh, answer to this one. How many interceptions for Alabama on Saturday? I think that that even goes back to the job you do on the Auburn run game. Because if you do the job there, then obviously you're going to get Thorne into some some elevated pass attempts. I'll say this for him, too. He wasn't the problem for Auburn last week, if you go back and watch that game against New Mexico State. Every position around him, for the most part, starting with the offensive line, really failed him. I mean, mm -hmm. you look at his numbers. I think he was 15 of 19, you know, uh, very Probably efficient. Wouldn't. Uh, got a lot of pressure. Um, so, again, you know, if you can get those those attempts up, well, obviously that bodes well for, for some guys on the back end for Alabama. 
Yeah, I, I think Thorne's one of their better players, to be honest, on offense. I know the numbers don't necessarily jump off the page at you, but I think if you look at the 11, 12, 13 guys that they, they play most often on offense, Peyton Thorne's probably one of their better players. Uh, but he hasn't thrown a ton of interceptions. Alabama hasn't racked up a ton of interceptions. So I'll answer uh, Dean's question and say uh, my, my best guess is, is one, uh, you know, I think one. Um, and in and, and terms of where it would come from, you know, maybe one of those corners, I think they're going to blanket the receivers pretty well. So I'll, I'll, let's go with Kool-Aid, who had a big play uh, in the end zone. Jordan Harris, a freshman in the overtime period, made a big play out. So how about give Kool-Aid one more big play uh, at Jordan Hare on Saturday, and, and he gets the interception. Won't take an avalanche of turnovers, I think, for Alabama to uh, to find some points here. But if if they can steal the ball a time or so, make another big play on special teams like they did last week uh, and just give the offense a little bit of help. Uh, I, I think they could uh, make this game uncomfortable for Auburn fans in a hurry. Here's a question we've got from Speed RTR here in the comments. Could we see someone other than either Lawson or Campbell spying the quarterback? Uh, Malachi Moore, maybe. And I, I want to talk about this more from the perspective of Deontay Lawson, Jimmy, and his status. Mm -hmm for this right. week and what he may or may not be able to do in this game. And even if he starts and even if he gives it a go and you pair him with uh, with Jihad Campbell, when it gets to third and long and you get the dime package out there, could you envision maybe just for this week until you know that Deontay's all the way back? And if he's all the way back, he's the guy all three downs. But if there's question about that, would you feel comfortable with Jihad Campbell being the guy that stays out there in the diamond, maybe Deontay this week, you get a couple of downs, uh, first, second down out of him in the nickel. And then if you, if you do go to dime, uh, it's Jihad Campbell that you leave out there. Well, Jihad is still kind of a young, a young player, but you know, Hey, we're in game 12 now and, and, and he, he should be getting it, you know? And I, and I think that that's mentally is the ask. I don't think it's the physical part at all with Jihad. I think physically he's capable of, of anything you would ask an off-ball linebacker. I think it's just the mental part, knowing the assignments, knowing where he needs to be. That gets a little more complicated in dime because there's so many moving parts, and Auburn will have so many eligible receivers in the route, and Jihad's going to be responsible for some of that if, he, if he's the one still out there. I'd also say Trez uh, Marshall is a guy that we, we could also see in some important roles down the stretch, and one thing he brings to the table is being assignment sound. Maybe not honestly as physically gifted as a healthy Lawson or certainly a Jihad Campbell, but Trez knows his stuff. I'm sure he knows multiple linebacker spots and roles, whether you're talking about regular nickel or dime. So uh, so Marshall's a guy we could see out there. The problem with using a safety uh, as a spy, if you want to call Malachi a safety, you know, sometimes in that star role is a, uh, you know, if you assign a DB to the quarterback, now you're pretty naked on the back end. And maybe you can afford to be against Auburn. Maybe you can, but I, I just I just don't think it would be too sound to basically play Auburn with only three or four defensive backs because you got one of them assigned to the quarterback. Uh, I, I think Lawson, Campbell, and Tres Marshall all have the athleticism to, uh, to, to play the spy game against uh, Thorne and Ashford. Uh, who aren't necessarily as athletic as Jaden Daniels. Uh, but I, I think they could pull it off. And, and I do think that 
that is something that's going to be asked of one of the inside backers simply because I think it might be Auburn's go-to play or, or, or best chance at making a big play as the quarterback runs. So Alabama is going to have to expend some assets on, on defending that. Yeah, and Fairweather being what he is at the tight end position, you know that Hugh and that staff's going to plan in a way in which they can possibly get some matchups on those inside linebackers too. And if they don't, um, hard to spy with a safety because if it's not one of those inside linebackers, it's probably going to be one of those safeties, a sub uh, sub package guy that's that's going to probably be involved with Auburn's top receiver, which is kind of crazy to say that uh, Fairweather, Fairweather is Auburn's top guy. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and yeah, I understand when it comes to explosiveness, you know, on the outside, um, you know, there's, there, there's a guy or two, I mean, Javarius Johnson, you know, he's, he's had 220 receiving yards in his last four games on just 10 catches. So he's averaging about 22 yards per catch in his last four games. That's a guy you got to account for. And even Thorne, you know, there was a stretch there, and this is the SEC's last-ranked passing offense in Auburn. Uh, he's picked it up a little bit, too, of late. He's averaging more than 7.2 uh, attempt in his last four or four of his last five. So that's improved. But, again, it, you have to take into account the competition um, that uh, – that Alabama or that Auburn has seen of late gelato checking in. He just, uh, he just wants to go straight to next year. How about that? <laughs> what do you guys think about getting Evan Stewart from Texas A&M that, uh, that rumbled across my social media timelines earlier in the week. Yeah, I saw that. Um, well, first of all, uh, unless something happened today while I was eating, uh, which is very possible because I spent a lot of time eating. Uh, I don't think Evan Stewart's in the portal portal doesn't officially open until, uh, until Back Monday channels. after SEC Back championship channels. game. Now I know that, and I'm not naive to how that happens. I know. <laughs> and I know Travis is not either. Uh, I, I, I've seen what everybody else has seen. I, I would just say my opinion and all it would be is an opinion. I, I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, now Evan may go in the portal. I don't know. He might, uh, it's 2023. He might, uh, I know this, if he does, I'm, I'm a big fan of his talent. Uh, if he goes in the portal, his uh, his agent is is going to be a, a happy man <laughs> because this is going to uh, be the next Keyshawn, uh, Keyshawn Booty situation, yeah. huh? It could could be. I, I'm just Evan Stewart's going to bring. Uh, he's going to be a rainmaker in in the portal. I mean, <laughs> everyone's going to want Evan Stewart, and uh, and and I I just don't tend to think Alabama when I think. Okay, one of the uh, one of the big big name free agents is in the portal. Uh, you know, he's for instance, if this was baseball, Alabama would probably not be in the running for Shohei Otani. I mean, I, I don't think that's an Alabama thing to do. Uh, but in terms of talent, Evan Stewart is a great player. Uh, anyone would like to have his talent on the roster. Uh, I would just lastly throw in that uh, Alabama's going to return very possibly every receiver on the roster other than Jermaine Burton, who's more likely, I think, to go to the NFL, although he's got eligibility to return. But my guess is Burton moves on to the NFL. Everyone else could return. Bond, Prentice, Law, Corey Brooks will be healthy next season. Uh, they get Hale Black back. Jalen Hale is going to be – that step you make between year one and two should excite everyone about Jalen Hale. And I think Bond is a guy – 
that that is in line. I mean, he he made a good jump from year one to year two. He can make another one in year three and be one of the better wide receivers in the U.S. In my opinion. So I I don't look at wide receiver as a huge need for Alabama portal wise, but. Hey, running back wasn't either, and they picked up Jameer Gibbs, and that worked out pretty good. Sometimes you get surprised, too, by guys that leave, like Aaron Anderson yes. in some yes. other situations. So it all comes into play. But, yeah, still a little bit early probably yeah. um, to be maybe going that far with predictions on potential portal guys mm -hmm. anyway. Uh, I know from a prediction standpoint, as we get out of here, Jimmy, we're pretty close, I think, on the score for Saturday's game. I went 38-16. Yeah. You're right around there, right? Yeah, thirty-four to thirteen. So uh, as usual, Travis, we were in the in the same neighborhood on predictions. We have been pretty much pretty much twelve straight games. We're yeah in the I, area. I think it's uh I think it's a game that you know obviously a fast start benefits Alabama. Uh, continuing what we saw at Kentucky, a start like we saw at at say Mississippi State on the road. Um, even Texas A and M wasn't deplorable. Um, but I still feel like even without that, it's a game Alabama could end up winning convincingly. Uh, even if you get into the second quarter and it's a scoreless game or Auburn even has a, a lead of some kind going into the second quarter. Again, that's not where you want to be at, in that place. I get it. Uh, you don't want to lead that crowd around as long as you have to. Um, but a game that as it plays out, I just continue to go back to the roster and the personnel advantage in one that ultimately swings in Alabama's favor. Yep. Alabama's got more good players than Auburn. And uh, whenever I'm picking a game, I mean, I know that's super simplistic, right? But uh, when I pick winners, whether it's an Alabama game or not, I I'll start with this. Which, which team has the most good players? And, uh, <laughs> I, I tend to go uh, that way too. I think uh, you can ask even the most ardent Auburn supporter, uh, if he has just a, 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 a modicum of of uh, objectivity, would tell you that Alabama's got the most good players in this game, and and that that's who I'm picking to win. Uh, I know strange things happen over there, but usually the best team wins this game, and I, I think we know who the best team is. John Davis checking in as he's watching this Egg Bowl, as we all are. Watching this Egg Bowl reminds me how unpredictable these rivalry games can be sometimes. Mississippi State up 7-3 now in the third quarter. Looks like Ole Miss on the move, though. So uh, still some football to play in Stark Vegas. We're going to get out of here, Jimmy. As always, appreciate you taking the time, you and Clint, especially on a Thanksgiving night. And like Clint, get back to that, uh, get back to that turkey, get back to that dressing. We don't call it, we don't call it stuffing in the South. It's dressing. Um, I tapped out. I you tapped out. out. Tapped you got out. plenty for tomorrow. Turkey sandwiches. Turkey Isn't, soup. That's like the best part turkey of Thanksgiving. Almost is the is the leftover turkey sandwich situation. Um, I'm a big a big fan of that. And uh, yep, there'll be there'll be some uh, pre Iron Bowl uh, Thanksgiving lunch too. I believe. No leftovers for our subscribers at BamaOnline.com. Always fresh, fresh content for you right there at BOL. We hope you'll join us. And again, the YouTube special for new subscribers of BOL. If you enter UA1, you're going to get two months of BOL for just one buck. Special for our YouTube fans right here. We appreciate you guys immensely. For Jimmy Stein, for Clint Lamb, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again. And until next Thursday, so long, everybody.
Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.